support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Several recent court cases in Oregon have upheld transgender inmates' rights to gender-affirming care while behind bars. Tara Harrible is the lawyer who secured these legal wins. Nova Gaia is one of her clients. She's incarcerated at Snake River Correctional Institution. I talked to both of them last week. I started with Nova, who is a transgender woman in a men's prison. I asked what her daily life is like. Yes, well, I I have to wake up early, and it, it behooves me to do yoga and or meditate, and I do my makeup and my hair, and then um, we uh, get called for our breakfast, and I have to endure uh, lots of stares and comments from both the other inmates here and the staff here. What do staff or inmates say? Um, they'll say such things as, you are not a female. They'll say, they will call me um, terms uh, <laughs> such as the British term for a pile of sticks. Um, the F, uh, the F say, word slang in English. Yeah. From from staff as well as fellow inmates. The staff will be a little more subtle about it, particularly since I I filed and had a successful judgment against uh, DLC, specifically Jamie Miller, the superintendent of this institution. They are much more subtle about it, but I will get dirty looks. Do you feel safe as you walk through the prison? I do not. Can you give us a sense for what specifically led you to file suit against the Department of Corrections, the the suit that that Tara represented? Yes, um, I was made aware through my own experiences and some hearsay that uh, that transgenders were not treated for their gender dysphoria uh, more than just being put on a couple of estradiol pills and forgotten. Um, I, I realized um, due to another transgender female AIC uh, that is adult in custody that I could advocate for both myself and the entire community of imprisoned transgenders by having a successful case. And I specifically um, was hoping for treatment for myself because of the failures of DOC in general. So if I understand correctly, you requested various kinds of of healthcare um, for gender reassignment surgery or, or other medical care, and they said no. Correct. Tara, the judge in Nova's case focused on largely on federal constitutional issues in her ruling, in your and her favor, as opposed to, if I read this correctly, as opposed to Oregon statutes. Are there Oregon laws 
that guarantee appropriate health care and treatment for adults in custody in Oregon prisons who are transgender? Well, I actually, just to um, clarify, the judge actually relied on Oregon law because this is a state case. Um, and so there are very specific Oregon laws that are useful and unique in Oregon um, for all people who are incarcerated to be able to advocate um, for their right to uh, adequate conditions in prison, um, to health care, to um, be protected from predictable, obvious, preventable harm. Um, and the right to adequate medical care is within both our state constitution and the federal constitution under the Eighth Amendment, the prohibition against cruel and unusual punishment. That may have been actually um, where I got confused because there was, there was a lot of talk of the Eighth Amendment in the ruling. Yes. No, there is. That is, is the same. Um, the Eighth Amendment, the federal Eighth Amendment is the same, really, as, as the state complement in our constitution. But there's another law that is really particular to Oregon and only four other states in our constitution that the, that the judge relied on heavily, which is called the right not to be subjected when you're incarcerated to unnecessary rigor. And that means um, increased danger as a result of an unjustified policy or practice by the prison. Um, and the judge found that the Oregon Department of Corrections and the Snake River Correctional Institution had violated that constitutional Oregonian right um, uh, in several of the claims for NOVA. You also secured legal wins for two other transgender inmates in recent months. Can you tell us about uh, Tara Zist's case? Yes, and it's actually three other um, trans uh, clients in the last few months, just the last since NOVA's case. Um, So Tara Zist... Uh, she has a, a very, she has a very severe um, set of circumstances that uh, we are waiting for the orders to be finalized by the court. But following her trial, um, the judge made orders from the bench, which is not typical and happens when the judge recognizes that there are urgent and absolutely immediate. Um, unconstitutional conditions that must be addressed or further harm, even waiting for the judgment to be written, could occur or would occur. And in this case, Ms. Zeist also was being deprived for 20 years of uh, gender-affirming care. And um, she also was being illegitimately held in um, and this happened for Nova as well in uh, segregation, um, as for for on no basis that um, was apparent. Uh, and for Nova, the judge found that that was uh, deliberate indifference and based on her gender characteristics. She had undue discipline that was unfounded, and there was no um, basis for it in any of the records, and that the source of that discipline was specifically discrimination based on her gender characteristics out in um, at SRCI. Can I ask you, Nova, d- did you understand that as a, a, an acknowledgement on the part of prison officials of the challenge of ensuring your safety, that instead of, of changing the culture of the prison or having you be in a different prison, it was just easiest for them to, to segregate you? Or did you actually 
experience this as punishment in and of itself? I would say that both would be accurate. Um, the, the latter becoming apparent after the, the punishment, the former abundantly obvious. Hmm. And uh, Tar, it's, it seems like you're saying that this, is, this has been a pattern and practice on the part of the Department of Corrections. It has, and I'll say, just to clarify, the Department of Corrections never argued they were holding trans clients in segregation to protect them. They never made that argument. So um, what they argued is there was legitimate discipline, which the court found there was not. Um, so this, the, the idea of protection is, is, is a, was not relevant and was not even argued. And it is absolutely these cases um, all have the same themes of, um, you know, as Nova just said, like, we'll give you some hormone pills and go away. Um, and you'll have to knock down our door um, to try to get anything additional, but we're going to make it incredibly hard for you and hope you go away. And the clients I've had have had, for whatever reason, the ability to go further and advocate for themselves further for whatever reason. It doesn't mean there's other people who are trans who aren't similarly situated and also brave and bold. But when Nova brings a case or Tara Zeiss brings a case, there's many, many people behind them who are experiencing the exact same thing. I should remind folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with the prisoner's rights attorney, Tara Harrival, and one of her clients, one of her clients uh, for whom she has uh, won a case among three others, Nova Gaia, is a transgender female inmate at Snake River Correctional Institution in Eastern Oregon. Tara, how does the Oregon Department of Corrections decide where to house trans inmates? In general, I mean, does it go with the gender people were assigned at birth or with their gender identities? Well, there is a, um, you know, the regulations allow to consider um, whether somebody is trans uh, and in where their placement will be. Uh, and then there is an internal kind of secret uh, committee called the Gender Nonconforming Committee within DOC. It's an administrative committee where they make um, decisions as to where uh, folks are going to go in combination with another kind of internal kind of secret committee called the Transgender and Gender Nonconforming Committee, and they make decisions about housing. And it seems not to have clear criteria. There are trans people who are um, male to female uh, who are at Coffee Creek. There are more people who are trans male to female in these large prisons where there is a great um, cultural antipathy like at Snake River. Um, there's a big transgender population there, and it is um, culturally, you know, most of the people who work there are from Idaho, and there's a very different perspective than if you're in the Valley, say. Um, but now, because of winning these cases, we're winning um, uh, the requirement that people be moved closer, at least to the Valley, to services where they can receive gender-affirming treatment, because those don't exist, for the most part, out in um, Malheur, near Ontario. So moving people at least closer to the valley um, affords more progressive viewpoints, and that leads into the staff treatment of, of people 
who are gender nonconforming. But there is no right to be transferred to a particular prison um, that a person can be required, as the courts have required in these cases, to make people accessible to the services the court orders. Hmm. Nova, as as Tara just mentioned, she said there, there's a sizable transgender group of fellow adults in custody uh, at your prison, at, at Snake River Correctional Institution. Do you feel like you have a community there? And also, I'm, I'm just curious if you can give us a ballpark figure for, for how many people we're talking about. Yeah, so um, it's important to understand that in, in this institution, there are three sections where you will be afforded different treatment based on criteria that is not abundantly clear, such as propensity for violence, um, litigiousness, and time remaining on your sentence. And there is a large community in one section of the prison that I haven't been denied access to. We have on my particular unit a community of three. Do you think that there are, let me put it this way, what do you think it would take for you to feel safe if you were to remain at Snake River? I believe it would take me being moved to the aforementioned section of the prison where there is a community and there is the availability of solidarity. Tara, this gets to something that you were mentioning earlier, but I'm just curious what the specifics are. I mean, given the legal wins you've had for your clients, how big a change have you seen in Oregon Department of Corrections practices? None. Um, I And unfortunately, I've seen cynical posturing, like allying with um, the Oregon OHSU's transgender clinic as a kind of cover to make it look like ODOC is um, is changing its practices. But I had a trial, you know, two weeks ago, and all the practices of denial were all the same. And there is a laundry list of specific gender-affirming care that the DOC currently uh, names as, categorizes as cosmetic, and refuses to provide when it is, in fact, known in the community. They are known therapies in the community to treat gender dysphoria specifically, um, and and have been in fact acknowledged as such by our uh, by our particular government in passing, um, I think it's House Bill two o o two over the summer, which was effectuated by the governor, um, that expands um, the categories of treatment from being cosmetic to being medical needs as we change in a, as a community. Um, and especially the medical community, and how to treat um, gender dysphoria. So the DOC is quite behind, and it is it, it, my experience, it hasn't changed its practices at all, but it's gotten some better coverage, um, you know, a, <laughs> promotional coverage through um, alliances with, uh, like, OHSC's transgender clinic. Nova, before we go, just speaking of care, the judge ordered that the state provide gender-affirming care for you. That was back in May, six months ago. Have you received any of that care? So I have received um, 
some electrolysis hair removal and promises of surgery consoles. Um, I can't really say there's been more than that. So some hair removal and promises for other services in the future. Yes. Novagaya, thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. Tara Harable, thanks for talking with us again. Thank you so much. Nova Gaia is an inmate at Snake River Correctional Institution. Tara Harrival is a prisoner's rights attorney. We spoke last week. We also reached out to the Oregon Department of Corrections, DOC, which provided this statement. For many years, the Oregon Department of Corrections has been a national leader in gender-affirming care for incarcerated people. DOC takes an individualized approach to gender-affirming care and houses over 100 transgender and non-binary people across the state. Housing placement is extremely important, and those decisions are made by a multidisciplinary team looking at several factors. These factors include medical and mental health needs, their current housing situation, institution behavior, custody level, criminal history, etc. Our priority is the safety and security of all involved. We disagree with many of the positions that Ms. Harrival has taken in court, and we are considering all of our appellate options in recent cases. For example, no one is punished or placed in segregation solely on the basis of their gender status or identity. Housing and care decisions are complex, and we must be incredibly thoughtful in making them. Gender-affirming care has evolved rapidly, and DOC works with external partners to stay at the forefront of care and housing. Again, that was a statement given to us by Oregon's Department of Corrections. Tomorrow on the show, half of Shakespeare's plays might have been lost to history if it weren't for the publication of the first folio 400 years ago. We'll talk to a professor who organized a month-long celebration of that anniversary, and we'll hear about a new contemporary language version of Henry IV by a native playwright. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford.
If you tune in to Think Out Loud because you love learning about what's happening in our region, you'll love listening to The Evergreen. This weekly podcast paints an audio portrait of the Pacific Northwest through the stories of the people who live here. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.